They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are... Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling! two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you and powered by Meowbox. Meowbox is a cat subscription box service full of surprises delivered to your door every month. And please stay tuned for a special offer just for our listeners, courtesy of Meowbox and Meowbox.com. And with that being said, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Mr. Primetime, John Paz. And John, today on the show, we have a delightful interview with a guy who I know you and I have been trying trying to work out getting on this show and that is the man himself he's dangerous he's the golden boy he's the skyscraper he's a part of the u.s express he is one of our favorite performers of all time and of course how can i forget somebody who we're going to talk a lot about on this show waylon mercy aka dan spivey and Dan Spivey joined us in what was one of our favorite talks that we've had the pleasure of conducting thus far. He's so outspoken, and it's almost refreshing, because when we deal with a lot of guys, you know, we, we, we try to tread lightly. We don't always try to stir up the pot. We don't always try to uh, make any negative light brought forward because, you know, that's that's kind of how it is in the wrestling business a lot of times, and a lot of interview shows do like to accentuate the negative, and we just like to have conversations with our guests, and I guess, you know, first, looking back on Spivey's great career, what stands out to you mostly about his in-ring work, his overall performance, and how he was as a worker, because, you know, I know personally i just always found his matches to be very enjoyable i always liked who he was ever paired with if it was in a tag team i always thought that whoever he was with he had instant and great chemistry with but uh what's your thought on his overall performance oh yes looking back at the career of dan spivey i mean i just loved his work in all japan i just thought he was so great but you think about it in the boom period in the wwf in the early 80s mid 80s he was there uh, he was in the NWA for a little bit, a team with Scott Hall, you know, for a brief period of time. He was in WCW, obviously, with the Skyscrapers. Um, obviously, like I mentioned, awesome career in All Japan Pro Wrestling during the boom period of wrestling in general and the boom period in Japan. I mean, just dominant, awesome career. But I feel like perhaps he's um, a little underrated, perhaps. I mean, huge guy, great look, great ability loved his quote-unquote stiffness his snugness you know I, I love that style and I just thought Spivey just great great performer and I thought that perhaps almost a little forgotten um, how good he was you know looking back it wasn't in the you know in the business for a super long time but um, about 14 years and had a great great career but definitely I would have to say that um, I think he was underrated and uh, great performer great big man and I just love that he was stiff as hell. 
Now let's talk about a topic that you and I have had many, many, many conversations about prior to the two-man power trip of wrestling being even conceived, and that is the character of Waylon Mercy. It's always been one of our favorites. We've always talked about it. I know we've even gone out of our way to get our hands on a full Waylon Mercy compilation uh, put together by some genius uh, who was able to do this in the days before all the accessibility of a YouTube or a WWE network. Waylon Mercy always was ahead of his time, no matter what. When it came to the promos, when it came to the entrance, the look, the style, there was always something about it that really just grabbed your attention, especially in that new generation era, 1995, 1996. But I guess the funny part is, and it, it's always something that kind of makes news when it, you talk about this guy who's on the WWE roster, and that's Bray Wyatt, the similarities between the character. There's elements, I wouldn't say, you know, they're direct, uh, you know, descendants of one another, but... There's elements that you can see in the Bray Wyatt character that were already seen with Waylon Mercy, but why don't you uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about what you think the impact of a character like Waylon Mercy is now that we're feeling here in 2015? Yeah, that the one thing that's so funny about um, Dan Spivey is that everyone kind of knows him as Waylon Mercy, this crazy character that was way ahead of its time, that was just an awesome heel. And it was just such an amazing character, and it was way ahead of its time. There's no doubt about it. I mean, the impact of the character is obviously still seen today with uh, Bray Wyatt. And Dan, in the interview, goes into great detail about Bray Wyatt and how Bray Wyatt got that gimmick and and basically how uh, Bray Wyatt was picking his brain down in Florida, um, asking him, because he was so enthralled by the character, as obviously me and you were and, and a million other people, but it really affected uh, Bray, and he, he really, really liked that character, and he really wanted to delve deep into it, because like we said, and I know Bray Wyatt, I'm not going to say, you know, get into his head, but I, I'm going to guess that he was thinking along the lines of what we were thinking, and that this character has so much more to offer. I mean, if you watched it in, in the WWF in, in the mid-'90s, you saw it's like, wow, this character is awesome. I want to see more. You know, you need... You need more out of it, basically. That they they kind of WBF kind of dropped the ball a bit with it, and and they didn't do as much with it as they could, giving you know how, how deep the character was, and how crazy it was, and how original it was, and how funny in, in in one aspect was, and how scary in another aspect. So I really feel like that impact of the character is still seen today with Bray Wyatt, who obviously looked at the character and was like, that character is amazing. I want to try to do something like Waylon Mercy. I want to try to you know change a little bit with the times but but keep it somewhat you know to how it was back in WWF in, in the mid 90s cuz there's so much more to do with that character and um I loved it and it's so funny if you you know you go back and you watch the Waylon Mercy uh, character he's shaking hands he's shaking hands with the refs shaking hands with fans and boom as soon as the bell rings he's a psychopathic uh, killer that, you know crazy man so his promos were awesome the vignettes were awesome everything about Waylon Mercy was just such an awesome character and, and it's funny only Dan Spivey could pull that off because it, it, it's just amazing character and uh, it's so funny because you know we've said it before with some other characters it's 20 years later and we're still talking about it and it's 20 years later and a, a guy current guy from today aka Bray Wyatt wanted so badly to play a character like that so it just shows you the massive, massive impact of the Whale and Mercy character.
Definitely, definitely agree 150%. It's such a testament to Dan Spivey that he could bring a character like Waylon Mercy to life and that we still feel the effects of a character like Waylon Mercy 20 years later. What a testament to him as a performer and also as an actually as an individual that he can make somebody so different. And you're going to hear all about that and bringing the character to life and all the different intro uh, vignettes and the idiosyncrasies of the character but before we throw it to the interview and before we get into a little two-man power trip of wrestling business I just want to ask you quickly about Dan Spivey and tag teams and what would be your favorite pairing for Dan Spivey would it be a skyscraper would it be a part of the U.S. Express but or or possibly something else but please Tell us, what do you? What would you say your favorite pairing was for Dan Spivey in a tag team setting? Yeah, you know, he's had a bunch of different tag partners. And thinking about it, you think of one of his first tag partners, obviously, was Scott Hall. And, you know, it was, you know, they're both kind of green. They're both uh, up and coming at this point. So I wouldn't say that would, would be um, my favorite pairing or even best pairing with Spivey. But, you know, it's interesting to say, you know, he was he teamed with Scott Hall. He teamed with uh, Psycho Sid Vicious. He teamed with The Undertaker, uh, a.k.a. Mean Mark, when they were the Skyscrapers. So, I mean, he's had a bunch of great tag partners. But my favorite partner, and coincidentally is also the best partner he had, was DeLariat Stan Hansen. Those two, if anybody out there needs to uh, see some All Japan, just go on YouTube, do what you got to do. Type in... Uh, Dan Spivey and Stan Hansen from All Japan and watch any of their awesome tag matches. If you want to see legit, real, hard-hitting, awesome matches, great work rate, stiff, you're going to want to watch Spivey and Hansen. Awesome tag team. One of the great tag teams of all time. And it's pretty awesome. Uh, we, we get to talk to Dan in the interview about that tag team, about All Japan in depth. So you're going to love that. It's just really great. And, and Dan's insight on Stan Hansen and insight on All Japan and all the other guys in All Japan is just amazing. He's so straightforward. He's so honest. He really does uh, shoot straight from the hip. And he, he, whatever's on his mind, whatever's in his heart, that's what he tells you. No pulled punches, no bullshit. Spivey is a great, great guy, great performer, great wrestler. And he's also a great interview. So, like, uh, just getting back to the original question there is uh, favorite Stan Hansen best partner for him was Stan Hansen. Amazing team. You gotta love those two guys. Yeah, I totally second that. I totally second that Spivey is a great guy. He was a fantastic, fantastic guest. Absolutely loved having him back and would love to have him back on in the future because there's only, you know, as it is, there's only times we scratch the surface with a lot of guys and Spivey was just so great. Like you said, he, he shot right from the hip, pulled no punches, and he was just, he was awesome. And it's a testament to him that he gave us the time that he did because he is a phenomenal, phenomenal interview. And we were so honored and so privileged to have talked to him. Now, John, before we throw it to the interview and before we get into a little two-man power trip of wrestling business, as I mentioned, today's episode is brought to you by Meow Box. And as a special introduction for our listeners, when you order your first Meow Box subscription, you will get 10% off using the promo code POWERTRIP10. Again, it's promo code POWERTRIP10. All capitals. But, John, you're going to take us the rest of the way and tell us a little bit more about Meow Box. Yes, Meowbox. Meowbox.com. Promo code POWERTRIP10 for 10% off your first subscription. Also with Meowbox, they have a 
little bit of a program called One Box Can. For everyone purchased, they donate a can to a shelter cat on your behalf. And also, for piggy cats like mine, I have a little bit of a piggy cat in Lucy who does have a special diet. They have an option for no edible items. Yes, that's right. If you want a meow box, they actually replace the food and treats with some more toys and surprises, which Lucy absolutely loves. So please, folks, go to meowbox.com, promo code POWERTRIP10 for 10% off your first subscription. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. And please, please, while you're on there, check out the feed. Check out some prior interviews we've done with the great Jim Ross, Jesse the Body Ventura, the late, great Dusty Rhodes, and so many others others so please check that out also please check out the website tmptofwrestling.com that is tmptofwrestling.com and now without any further ado the all japan tag team champion the golden boy the dangerous one and folks lives are gonna be in Waylon mercy's hands one of the best interviews we've done this guy is such a great guy if you follow him away from the wrestling business, you see what he's doing. He's doing so much to help people nowadays, and he's just—he's a great guy. Great interview, and, and the best part about it, he's such a straight shooter. So you're going to get awesome, awesome, straightforward, no bullshit answers from the man himself, the man, the legend. It's Dan Spivey. Please enjoy. Lives are going to be in Waylon Mercy's hands. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't like wrestlers touching me. And I definitely don't want them crawling on me. And if they do so, <laughs> well. Well, joining us on the line tonight is a true legend of professional wrestling and somebody who John and I are both extremely happy is joining us tonight. He is a veteran of WCW, the WWF, all Japan. He's been all over the world. He's been dangerous. He's been the golden boy. He is Danny Spivey. Mr. Spivey, thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Thank you, and thank you for the kind introduction. Now, I didn't mention Waylon Mercy because we are going to get into that in a little bit, and I know John is chomping at the bit to discuss it. And before we get into Waylon Mercy and the news that's been kind of circulating about Waylon Mercy as of late, I want to ask you about the, uh, the current lawsuit that's going on with uh, a lot of the old uh, veterans of the, uh, the pro wrestling industry that are kind of going after uh, the WWE, a class action suit uh, for injuries and some issues sustained while performing, they're, they're saying, under uh, the WWE's watch. But what's your take on it from, uh, you know, a veteran's point of view? Well, my take on the whole deal is that I think it's a bunch of old guys that spend all their money and uh, they're broke and they're looking for a handout, you know. We all knew when we got into the business what this deal was. You know, we knew that we wouldn't have any insurance. We knew we didn't have a union. You know, we knew that if we got hurt, we had to take care of it ourselves, you know. And we also knew if we didn't work, we didn't get paid. That was the deal. And we all knew that going in. 
And I just can't see, you know, now after 20, 30 years, guys are coming back saying that Vince owes them money. I mean, some of these guys, Billy Jack Hayes, the, the main culprit in this whole deal, it, he didn't work for Vince. He worked for Vince for less than two years. And he's blaming Vince for all his injuries, his drug addiction and all that. It was just crazy. He worked for several other uh, promoters in the business. He was in business quite a while. You know, why doesn't he blame any of those people for it? You know, because Vince, I guess, is the last man standing. You know, and Vince has got a great company. You know, it's basically the only company in the business now. And uh, these guys, you know, they're saying that Vince forced them to take drugs. Vince forced them to work hurt. You know, it's all a bunch of bullshit. You know, it's it's almost it should be a you know cumulative uh, wrestling business lawsuit because yeah, like you said, some of the uh, the participants in it are you know guys who did not spend that significant a time, and obviously, you know, uh, for example, Billy Jack Haynes being on the road is a lot of work, obviously, and uh, during that time, you guys were on the road like crazy, but. To say that the WWE is responsible, of course, you know, is, uh, is, I guess, up in the court's hands right now. I mean, I guess some of us might have an indication of where that's headed. But, you know, if you look back at that schedule and you think back to some of those, uh, those road travels, you know, do you think that in this day and age, even though it is much different, do you think that uh, the athlete this day and age could handle your schedule that you guys had back in the day? All right. Yeah, I think so. But the main thing, the reason we get those schedules is the money, you know. Uh, I went 90 days one time, you know, without ever coming home. I mean, living on the road for 90 straight days. You know, it was hard. It was hard, you know, but we had a good time doing it, you know. It was hard work, but, you know, and, and the thing was that we were all chasing money, you know. That's the whole thing, you know. You work 90 straight days, you get a pretty good paycheck. You know, and that's the whole thing. Everybody wanted to work for WWE in the day. WWF is because it's the number one company. It's the company that if you work for them, you got famous because it was seen all over the world. Vince took it international. And, you know, guys, now we were, you could take guys today and bring them in there and they would work for Vince for free to be on TV and to get the notoriety and stuff. You know, it was a privilege to work for that company because once you got to the WWE, you knew you made it in the business, that you had achieved a goal in life. You know, how are those guys still that are complaining about dance and everything if they now had the opportunity to work there? I think they would have been very disappointed, and I don't think their careers would have been fulfilled. And that's my opinion. What was uh, what was your first impression of uh, of working for Vince and meeting him and initially, uh, you know, they they definitely got behind you on a couple different occasions in that first run. But what was your first impressions of Vince McMahon? I thought that he was, a, you know, I think he's a, he still is a great promoter. I thought he was a fair guy. I mean, he asked you to go out there and work hard and do, you know, do your very best, you know, which is what any employer is going to ask guys to. I, you know, I would, I hadn't been in the business for about two years, and I had a ruptured disc in my neck, and you know, it wasn't real, you know, it wasn't real clear if I was going to be able to come back from it or not. I had to have a neck fusion where they took bone out of my hip and fused my sixth and seventh vertebrae together. 
I had lost like three inches in my left arm where atrophy had taken in because the nerve going down from my neck down my left arm was dying. It was being pinched. So they had to do the operation to relieve the pressure on that nerve. Well, I was going to lose my arm. It looked like I had polio in my arm. Paul Orndahl had the same injury. He didn't take care of it, and he never got his arm back after after that operation. So anyway, I had mine done. I wasn't real sure if I was coming back, but Vince, you know, I don't even been in business maybe two years, paid me $500 a week while I was recovering. And I don't know any other promoter that would have done that. He didn't have to do that. I wasn't expecting it. But, you know, I was an underneath guy, and he took care of me. I know that, you know, and that's what I'm going by is the way I was treated. Yeah, I could see that, definitely. And as we're staying with WWF and Vince McMahon, I could talk about the Waylon Mercy character. And a lot of people, obviously, are making the similarities between Bray Wyatt, the character today, and Waylon Mercy of the mid-'90s. Now, what is the story behind you and Bray Wyatt? Did you actually give him that gimmick? Well, as you know, uh, I'm just assuming everybody knows that me and Mike Rotundo were partners. You know, when I first came to WWE, I teamed up with him as the U.S. Express. We were together for quite a while. We traveled the roads. We're friends and been friends for a long time. Well, at the time... some years back, Mike's two kids, uh, Wyndham and uh, I can't remember the other boy's name right now, but his other oh. son, uh, were both down in the uh, training facility for the WWE. And uh, Bray came to me, or Wyndham came to me, and, you know, asked me about, you know, Waylon Mercy. He was telling me he was really interested. And so we talked, and I gave some ideas, and... Uh, the kid ran with it, and he's done a great job with it. I'm really happy for him. Now, do you think that what Bray Wyatt is doing today should have been where Will and Mercy, the character, should have been in, let's say, 1995, as far as being a you know a top heel? Well, no, I was only there a short time. I think I was there about nine months. And the deal with that was that I was beat up. I was already hurt, and I was already addicted to the painkillers. I had a bad hip and a bad knee. And um, it was uh, just a bad time. I don't know. And uh, I wasn't happy with uh, the way things were going, so I quit, you know. And uh, Vince and Jerry Briscoe, you know, begged me to come back. I don't want to say beg, but, you know, tried to talk me into coming back. And I just had enough by this. I was done. I wasn't happy because I wasn't able to perform like I wanted to. And, you know, I didn't feel like it was going anywhere, but they said they were going to do it. You know, I don't know. That's hindsight. It was, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't mad. I just, you know, I was just, uh, I was just ready to retire because I couldn't perform the way I wanted to. Now, there's a lot of rumors going around right now that, uh, you know, the WWE or maybe, you know, maybe you yourself are thinking about coming back and maybe portraying like a relative of Bray Wyatt, joining the Wyatt family, if you will, maybe like an like a distant uncle or something. Are any of these rumors true? Uh, I, yeah, I would love to do it. I would. I think there's a lot to be done with it. But I try to think that, you know, they want – Right to be on his own, you know, they don't want any association with me, which I think is crazy because, 
you know, even with uh, what an angle that would have been when Bray, you know, wrestled uh, Taker, you know, I think it was in WrestleMania they had a match. And uh, the um, connection with me and Undertaker, you know, it was the skyscrapers and me and Bray, you know, as uh, Rotunda's kid doing my little gimmick. Yeah, it would have been awesome. Would have made perfect sense, you know, had had they gone about. And, and but if you're, asking, if you're asking the question, would I be interested in doing it? Yes, I would. I think it would be great. Now, with that character, the Waylon Mercy character, it's so interesting and it's so intriguing. I almost feel like the ball has dropped a little bit on their part with with what they could have done with it. But was that something that you came up with, or was that something that Vince presented to you as a character? Vince, he. Uh... He brought it up to me, and he asked me what I thought about it, and I thought it was a great idea. And, um, you know, the promos, you know, they just stuck me out there. We did the first one in some park, and it was around the 4th of July. That's where I killed the bug on my arm or something. And, uh, you know, I just went out there and winged it, you know. I'm I'm from the South, and I knew a lot of Southern people, being on Southern myself. And and I just went off of kind of just winged it. I remember watching the movie several times and, um, you know, Robert De Niro, you know, what a great, great movie that was. And um, I just, you know, I just, everything was just off the top of my head. There was no, you know, writing for me or anything like that, like they have nowadays. But, you know, it's pretty much just uh, the red light came on and I just went with it. And it's funny, when I think of that character, I think of like crazy, it's original. It was scary. It was way ahead of its time. It was so cool. And the awesome part is that you're shaking hands, you're being nice, and all of a sudden the bell rings, and you're crazy. Is that the stuff that all stuff that like you came up with, or is that Vince? Basically, <laughs> you know, is that Vince wanting you to be oh, a nice southern gentleman? But when the bell rings, you're nuts. No, you know, Vince didn't really ever say anything to me after the fact we had the first meeting, and then. You know, I put the costume together. You know, about the only thing he said he wanted me to dye my hair black, which is no problem. And uh, we had these tattoos and stuff that would go on for, you know, still about two or three days. And, uh, you know, if, I, if the character would have done something, it would have carried it on and pushed it the way it should have been. I would have got the tattoos for real, you know. But, uh, you know, because they were real pain in the ass putting on, taking off and stuff. But, Now, is there anything that stands out for that run? I know it was cut short because of uh, some of the injuries that you had that built up over your career, but is there anything that stands out match-wise for Waylon Mercy? I know you had a couple pay-per-views and I think a, a match against Nash on uh, on Raw for the title, but uh, is there anything that really sticks out to you? Uh, no, not really. I thought that me and Nash had a pretty solid match. You know, I thought that... Uh, you know, that's what I was told when I came in. You know, they told me that they wanted me to work with Kevin when I came in. And, you know, I worked with him maybe once or twice, you know, here and there. And uh, it was, uh, I wasn't real happy with it. But, you know, as far as our match, I was happy with that. You know, it, was, it wasn't, a, they were pretty solid matches. And then how about, I mean, that locker room obviously was a lot different as well uh, from when you had been there, you know, a, a good Eight years prior, it was a uh, you know they were going with the new generation, a whole new crop of guys. 
the click running wild. You know, was it a big uh, was it a big change, or was it, did you get a lot of respect being at your veteran status? Well, nobody bothered me. That's for sure. I mean, you know, I I just I was pretty much a loner anyway. So, you know, I uh, I didn't care about the click. You know, um, you know, there's a lot of guys that were up there that were real prima donnas. I thought. And there was guys there, you know, I worked in Japan for years, and, uh, you know, it's it's a solid, solid, it's, the wrestling in Japan, 90% of the guys couldn't do it from the States. And that's why there's not so many of them, even back in the day, they didn't go, is because it was stiff, you know, as long as you didn't bring blood, and you didn't break someone's arm or something, it was good. So, it was about 80% full speed. And uh, a lot of guys couldn't take that, and there was a lot of guys that complained about me being too stiff, which I just feel like they were a bunch of pussies, and uh, you know, just couldn't take it. I didn't, you know, I just, I just thought there was a lot of prima donnas up there at that time. Now, how about actually, you know, you re- somewhat reunited with uh, with your old partner, uh, like you mentioned before, the Undertaker. Uh, mean Mark uh, with the skyscrapers. Uh, how how did you see his career? Uh, I guess by the time you had got in, you know he was a good five years into the Undertaker character. Did you see uh, him building to the heights of the Undertaker of mythical proportions? I guess you could say at this point. No, I had no idea. I mean, Mark when we we teamed up, he was really green. Uh, I tell you, he was a good guy. You know, I like Mark from the very beginning. Uh, had no idea that he would ever be the star that he is today. To me, Mark is the probably uh, one of the best workers of all time in this business. You know, he did the character. You know, he did the gimmick great. His work and his logic in the ring, big man. I mean, he didn't do it all, and I just think that Mark turned out to be one of the best. And as we're talking about, you know, some WWF guys that you knew before and then wrestled again in 95, like, or a good friend of yours, or you know, an old training buddy was Razor Ramon, a.k.a. God Hall. Can you talk about how you both kind of got into business together and, you know, basically trained together? Uh, well, we both were in Florida and Tampa, and uh, both of us got to know Dusty, on, on, not together, but separately. And uh, Douglas from the Royal Warriors were really hot. And uh, Dusty came up with this idea of putting two big guys together and calling the American Star. said, well, you know, you got that name, I have no idea. And uh, that's how we got together was Dusty put us together. You know, Dusty broke us into the business. Uh, we worked out in Tampa for a while. And then Dusty lost the book in Tampa, and he was he went to Charlotte to work for uh, as the booker for Jim Crockett Promotions. And and Scott followed him to Charlotte, about starved to death, because Dusty had so many things going on, and you know his own job, and you know was trying to break the territory open, and uh, really we got lost in the shuffle. So Harley Race came to town, and Harley had a territory on Kansas City, and uh, so he decided to take us out to Kansas City and give us some experience in the ring and stuff. So me and Scott drove out to uh, Kansas City, and we got to the Kansas City office, and uh, 
went to the office and Harley was in Japan and uh, I guess Harley's partner, well, I know Harley's partner, Bob Geigel, was there and he had no idea who we were. <laughs> so uh, anyway, that got straightened out and we were in uh, Kansas City for for a while. I wasn't there too long, about six months I guess it was, and I went back to Charlotte and Scott stayed there. That's when we got split up. And one guy I wanted to mention to you because a lot of guys that we've we've talked to said he almost has like a Japanese style because you know he works a little snug, he works a little stiff, but he's considered one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. I mean, there's no doubt he is. But it was a guy you wrestled what when you were in the U.S. Express when he was in the Hart Foundation, and again when you were wearing the Mercy, you wrestled him um, again, you know, in the WWF in your second run there. But what was it like working with Bret Hart? Ah. Uh... Well, Brad Hart's one of the people that complained about me being too stiff. Hmm. So, I thought, I think, you know, I, I'm going to be honest, I just think Brad is overrated. And I like Brad. I have nothing against him. I think that, you know, technically he can do everything, you know, no doubt. Uh, but, you know, he, you know, he, uh, you know, as far as uh, being, you know, really, Tough, and you know, I just, I don't know. I just, I just think he's overrated. I don't know. I just, uh, you know, he complained about how stiff I was, like like a job guy and stuff like that, which isn't true. You know, I just, I don't know. It's one of the prima donnas I was talking about. Now, speaking of someone, uh, the polar opposite of that, I, I would think, was your former tag team partner and former All-Japan tag team champion and one of the greatest of all time himself, the Lariat, Stan Hansen. What was it like working with him? I mean, I'm sure you know he you know, he's, uh, has a reputation of being quite stiff himself. <laughs> yeah, he sure, certainly is. No doubt about that. Uh, I'm professional. Stan went out every night and busted his ass to throw a good show. Uh, you know, he was, he, the guy goes 100 miles an hour. I don't with him at all. He's one of the one of the guys that could really, you know, from the start of the belt to the very end, I mean, give it 100%. He just, could just go. He had a motor on him, man. He was just uh, nonstop. And uh, he went out there and busted his ass every night. That's, you know, I can't. The guy was a legend, and he's probably the greatest, biggest name Gaijin name ever to work in Japan. Yeah, he's so awesome and he's so underrated. And I think anyone out there, if you haven't seen a lot of Stan Hansen, you got to go out there and check it out. When you guys were a tag team, both of you are huge, obviously. And like you said, maybe you both are a little stiff, which I think is a good thing, um, especially in Japan. But when you guys were in Japan, you guys faced a lot of great guys in all Japan, but what was it like wrestling guys like Kawada and Misawa, like the aces of, of the, uh, the Japanese wrestlers? I enjoyed working with the guys. The guys uh, were hard workers, and, uh, you know, they um, they were good. I, if I had my whole career to do over again, I would have never come back to the States. I would have stayed in Japan the whole time. Uh, there's not political bullshit that goes on in the States as it does here. They don't have a bunch of gimmicks like at least Giant Baba didn't. You know, they didn't have, you know, always taking him down to the ring. He didn't have a bunch of animals like dogs and birds. And, you, know. you just went out there and you wrestled 
and you busted your ass and uh, put on a good show. And if you did that, Giant Mama took care of you. You know, in the States, there's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes. And, you know, then, you know, in Japan, I mean, you know, so much of it in the United States nowadays is marketing. I mean, dolls and toys and all that stuff. I mean, that, that plays a big part into whether you make it here in the States or not. That's definitely true. And a lot of, uh, you know, the wrestlers that go over to Japan, they all have kind of a, a, a different uh, take. I know if, you know, if they enjoy it or not, if they like it or not. But what do you think about the crowds there? Because sometimes, you know, the crowds in Japan get, get a reputation of being quiet. But if you go back and you watch all Japan, I mean, those, I mean, those are some rowdy, great, great crowds. What was your take on, on the fans out there? Well, at first it was quite surprising. I mean, you know, because they were really quiet and, you know, they cheer for when you do something really good, that's for sure. I mean, they, they were, um, going to the ring was kind of rough sometimes. You have to chase them and beat them off of you and stuff. But, you know, once the match started, it was like dead silence, you know. Like, and, uh, and, um, you really had to do some things to get them to get off their hands, that's for sure. It was it's very different. But they could be rowdy. I mean, after the matches, too, I mean, trying to get back, especially if you were with Stan. I mean, Stan used to beat hell out of him with a cowbell, you know. <laughs> and, uh, well, when a cowbell was a, a bull rope, you know, rope, yeah, and he'd beat hell out of those kids. You know, there was a, a great Japanese legend that is actually wrestling his retirement match coming up, and I believe it's November, uh, against Okada, and that's Tenru. You guys had a you know a bunch of good matches in, in all Japan, but what's your take on him and his longevity in the business? God, he's still working. Yeah, <laughs> Jeez, man, that guy was beat up back when I was with him twenty years ago. I, mean, I can't believe he's still working, but if he is, I mean, so he's got his retirement match coming up. Yeah, it should be wow. November. Yeah, he, he's wrestling the uh, the IWGP champ. That's interesting. I like to see that. Um, and that guy is tough. I mean, the first tour that I did in Japan, uh, I went over, and everybody on the American bus and the guy Gaijin bus was first-timers. There was um, Jimmy Jack Funk, uh, the Rock and Roll Express. Uh, I can't remember who else, but everybody was first-timers, and none of us knew anything about what was going on, you know. And... Uh, Work with uh, Kenru, the, uh, the main event the last night, and uh, God, that guy beat the hell out of me. Just, <laughs> he just beat the hell out of me. But you know, I got even later on. But uh, it was a good match, and I learned a lot from him. I always enjoyed working with him. Matter of fact, he's my favorite person to work with, and uh, I really enjoyed all the matches I ever had with him. And he was uh, very helpful, you know, after that first tour, uh, showing me the ropes and stuff, and I owe him a lot. Now, another uh, great, great wrestler, actually, two great wrestlers that I was just thinking about, speaking of Stiff and speaking of All Japan and just two tremendous guys. First, I was going to say Terry Gordy, but I can't really say Gordy without saying Dr. Death Steve Williams, but did you enjoy working with them? Did you like those guys? Oh, man, if you ever seen any of our matches, you can tell. You know, it was a pleasure to work with those two guys. Not only was I close with them, you know, working-wise, we were close friends, you know, outside the ring. And uh, I love and miss those two guys. I really do. And uh, it was a 
Massac. We uh, had in, uh, Corpus Christi, Texas, as a pay for you. They took advantage and ate Mark up, you know, and it pissed me off, and I beat the hell out of them with a chair after the match. I mean, how are you going to do anything if, you know, you just never have us win and never have us come out on top? I mean, they beat us up. So the skyscrapers weren't going anywhere, and that's why I left Mark and went back to Japan. Which, you know, it worked out great for Mark, but me and Mark together could have done fabulous. I mean, we could have done a lot of money with the whatever words. If somebody, if they ever lost, you know, you don't beat somebody, nobody's going to pay money, all the roadways going to win, but pay money. Hmm. I think that is definitely a good point. And I can't really talk about the road warriors without mentioning someone who kind of their equals here, you know, as far as great tag teams, popularity, uh, you know, great looks. And that was the Steiner brothers who were also had a reputation of being quite stiff. What were your opinions <laughs> on, on uh, Rick and Scott? I enjoyed working with the guys, you know, as I did the Road Warriors. I always had a good matches with the Road Warriors. And I, you know, I always got along with Scotty because I didn't, I didn't mind him suplexing me. Some people didn't like taking some of his suplexes, but, you know, I trusted the guy and, you know, I knew how to take bumps, so it didn't bother me. So we got along just fine. It's funny, sometimes the Steiner brothers kind of get a little bit of a reputation. Like, if the, like I remember an instance I was listening to Scotty say that uh, I guess it was Hawk didn't want to take a suplex, so he just picked him up and threw him over his head. And, and you know, he gave him the suplex anyway. So, kind of funny with the, the Steiners, you're going to get it whether you want it or not. Yeah, they they were uh, guys were uh, amateurs and they knew what they were doing. So you were going to go one way or the other. So you might as well just make it easy on yourself. Now, one of your partners with the skyscrapers. Obviously, we talked about the Undertaker uh, as he was mean marks, you know, uh, with you. But another great tag team partner you had, or we'll, uh, we'll guess we'll get your opinion of that. But was uh, Psycho Sid Vicious? Did you like teaming with Sid, and did you see a lot of potential out of him? Uh, Sid, Sid looked great. You know, he's very impressive looking. He um, did some pretty impressive offensive moves. But a guy came and hit the ring ropes. You go back and you watch any match of him hitting the ring ropes, running the ropes. It's pathetic. So I just have a hard time, you know, saying somebody is good who came and hit run the ropes. I mean, he was scared to hit the ropes. I mean, the guy, we had a, a match with the Steiner brothers in New York, and the guy punctures along getting into the ring. Nobody touched him. And he punctured it along. How the hell does that happen? You know, I did 15 minutes with the road with the Steiner brothers, and he never got drained. <laughs> so, I mean, other than him, you know, walking out to the ring and him doing a few offensive moves, what could the guy do? Well, he jumps off the second rope and breaks his leg. I mean, so the guy, you know, he looks impressive. You know, he's got the look, and that's about it. You know, um, what I was thinking, and I don't know, you know, what, what the rumor is true or not, but I guess it was supposed to be you and Stan Hansen sometime in the mid or early to mid nineties. You guys are supposed to go back into WCW, but I believe you guys were the champs at this point. I believe you're the old Japan tag champs, and I think yeah. WCW wanted to have you job. I can't remember to who. 
but you guys are supposed to come back, and uh, the rumor is you're supposed to job. I don't know if it was it the Z Man, Tom Zink. I'm not sure, but what is the truth to that that rumor? Well, I posted that on Facebook. You know, I didn't say who the guy was. I just said it was a substitute. And I'm not going to say who the guy was. You know, but that's not important. That's not even the, the whole point of the post. The, the point was, you know, is that. My whole rant, or if you want to call it, it's not a rant. My opinion on everything is that we have choices in the business. You know, we're not forced forced to do anything. I had a choice. I could have done the job, which would have ruined me in Japan, in Japan, or I could go down the road. I knew when I said I wasn't going to do the job that they were going to fire me, you know. And uh, there was a lot of other things going on. I was... Uh, already been subpoenaed to testify in Hershey, Pennsylvania on uh, Dr. Sohoyan's steroid trial. And WCW might have wanted to get rid of me, you know, knowing that I wasn't going to do a job in tag team champion. I mean, it would have been different if Rick, I can't remember which one was missing, but I think it was Scotty that was, wasn't was able to work that night. But, you know, that would have been different. I mean, Scott, the Steiner brothers are a world-class tag team, so it was them. It's no loss of faith, but substitute and Carter, yeah, that would have destroyed and my point of the post that I put on Facebook was the fact that, you know, I had a choice. You know, I I wasn't forcing me to do anything. I didn't want to do. And uh, so I got fired. Basically I quit, but you know, I got I did the match and the next day they fired me. Yeah, I mean obviously uh I guess we can kinda of just guess who who we think that was. I I, I I could have sworn it was Tom Zink, but I mean, I could be totally wrong on that. But I was going to say, why would you want to have you and Hanson job unless did they, did they not care that you guys were the old Japan Tag Champs, or do you think they were really just trying to get rid of you? Uh, I, you know, it's just guessing. I don't know. And the guy that fired me was the guy that fought me into the business, Dusty. Huh. Wow. So that's the real twist on it. I think, wow. you know, to be honest, my. You know, and that's interesting because all those, you know, all the guys from that, you know, mid-80s WWF scene were brought into that. And one of the guys, unfortunately, just passed away in, in Roddy Roddy Piper, who was a big part of testifying uh, during, that, uh, during that trial. But uh, looking back at that run uh, in the mid-80s when you were a part of the U.S. Express and brought in after Barry Windham left, uh, another, you know, case of a great team that, you know, seemed like you could, they could have gotten behind you and you were together for a good amount of time, but then... Uh, Rotundo left. Uh, what was your initial impression of what they were going to do with the U.S. Express with you in it? I, you know, I don't know because you know I just started in the business. I hadn't even been in the business two years. You know, to have the opportunity to go to the WWE, I mean, was uh, was awesome. And, uh, you know, I was pretty green. I didn't know anything about the business part of it or anything. I was just, you know, calling trying to trying to survive, you know, and um yeah Mike left, which was a big surprise, but you know, I it all worked out, so um, that was a long time ago. I really yeah, it all worked out. That's all I know. Now as we uh start to hit the wind down a little bit here, I was just curious, 
you know, you've been all over the world, obviously Japan, for many, many years and many tours, and then obviously you were in WCW, you are in WWF for a few different runs. But do you have a favorite match or matches that you had in your career? Oh, gosh, I had many. You know, I had a lot of tag team matches with Dr. Terry. We had a match over there that was a pretty tag championship. It was a 30-minute time limit, and we took it down to, like, 29.58. And there was no clocks around. For some reason, we, we nailed it, you know. And uh, that was a memorable match, you know. So many matches me and Stan. Uh, I'll tell you a match that I had real good with a guy that I only worked with one time was Lex Luger. It was a pay-per-view match. Uh, it was uh, it was a good match. It was a real good match. I enjoyed working with Lex. I had always heard that Lex was tough to work with, but I I, I thought it was a real treat to work with him. And uh, we have a jam-up match. And why we never had a rematch or everything, I don't know. It's just, you know, I didn't have luck with some of the bookers from my past, so, you know. Now, I know you said before Tenru is, you know, probably your favorite opponent or one of your favorite opponents, but do you have another favorite opponent in mind throughout your career, somebody you really gelled with and had a lot of, you know, great chemistry with? Yeah, Dr. Terry, you know, I, I mean, so many of my best actors were tag matches. I didn't work any real single programs with anybody that I could think of. I mean, I, don't, I didn't work a program with another. All my programs were tag team matches, you know, and uh, no, I can't think of anybody that I worked more than you know, a couple times with, you know. Now, recently you have somewhat return to the ring for uh, Dory Funk's uh, Bang promotion down there in Florida and you oh, got the God. and you got the <laughs> Fighting Heart award. Yeah. What was what was it like returning to the ring? Uh, it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I was just told I was going down to accept this award and talk to uh his young talent down there about drugs and alcohol. And um you know it got into more than that, you know, asked me, you know, what you do this, you know, and, 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 you know, it was just, I wish I wouldn't have done it, but I did it because I loved Boy Funk, and uh, it was for him, and uh, there's a bunch of young kids never even been in the ring before, so it was probably, uh, kind of, it was kind of embarrassing for me, it really was, but it was for a legend, and, uh, I would do anything for either one of the Funk brothers. I love those guys. Awesome. That's very nice. Well, Mr. Spivey, we appreciate you coming on. But before we let you go, if you could look back on your career and you could really, you could sit down with those young, you know, young students and not only just talk about, you know, drug and alcohol effects, but talk about your legacy. What's something that you would tell them about the legacy of Dan Spivey? Ah. Uh. And you just got to uh, to stand up for what is right and stuff. I mean, you know, the thing that the reason I didn't probably go farther in this business is because I was the kiss ass. And uh, I said what was on my mind if I didn't like things. But I was fortunate enough that if things weren't going my way, I had an opportunity to go somewhere else. And I guess a lot of guys can't do that. I always had Japan on the back burner. And uh, I used them quite frequently for when I got in jams, you know, or when I 
something. And, uh, you know, they hurt me, but, you know, also I can walk with my head up, you know, and say that I did it my way, and, you know, I didn't kiss ass, and I wasn't a, a uh, yes man. So Very nice. Up what you believe for. Very nice. Well, I'm sorry to cut you off with that, but please uh, tell the, the listeners of the two-man power trip where they can find everything for Dan Spivey and what they can do to uh, to seek you out if they uh, you know if they want to follow what you're doing these days. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, uh, Dan Spivey, on Facebook. Uh, you can look on my uh, my website. My name of my company is Sober Choice, SoberChoice.com. It tells about my, my, a little bit about my life story and what I'm doing and where I've been. And, you know, my company has to do with working with uh, drug addicts and alcoholics because, you know, through my career and through my life, I have been an addict. And uh, I uh, have addiction for over 40 years. And uh, I've been clean and sober now for six years. And uh, I enjoy working with people who need help. And you can contact me on uh, SoberChoice.com if you need some help. Well, that's absolutely wonderful. We really, uh, we really appreciate your time tonight and all the continued success and great work that you do in helping people with their problems and their addiction. So our best to you, Mr. Spivey, for coming on tonight with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I enjoyed it. And um, take care. Thank you very much, Mr. Spivey. Appreciate it. Okay, guys.